Well, good, since you sat down, I need you to stand back up for me. Oh, seriously, have a stand up. I looked up and only the front row was standing. Say hello to about six people around you right now that you might not know. Don't say hi to your friends or your family. Say hello to people you might not know. I know you guys, I know you guys. All right, when you're done with that, go ahead and resume that seated position that you all love so much. Well, we are, uh, we are remembering Pastor Phil and his family again today, if you're not aware of it. Um, his mother passed away last weekend, and so we're continuing to pray for them. And as he and the leadership were talking, they were trying to figure out who would speak this weekend. And uh, so I have a list of the, uh, the pastors up here. <laughs> so Pastor Ann was scheduled to speak, but she had uh, a lot of speaking engagements already this week and a lot on her plate. Pastor Dan was in Kentucky all week, and so they didn't want to put that on him. Pastor Brian's prepping for the Holy Land tour, and many of you I know are going to be a part of that, and he runs like a hundred ministries around here during the course of a Sunday. Pastor Bruce runs the 830 service, and I told them we prefer it when he keeps that guitar in his hand because he's really good at that. Pastor Katie and Pastor Tim, they're working with our middle school and our children's ministry upstairs. And Pastor Chelsea, she takes care of all the online ministry and our, our ministry out there and our first connections. And then Pastor Jason, if he wasn't doing what he did, uh, you wouldn't see or hear anything up here. So as they talked, they said, well, who's left? Just Todd. So uh, I am just Todd. I have the privilege of working with the high school ministry and access our post-high school 18 through 25-year-old ministry. And I consider it a privilege uh, to be up here this morning and to be able to share with you from God's word. Good morning, Olivia. Um, and, and those are things that I'll do too because I do. I get to work with high school. So our online people, sorry this morning, uh, this is what we do in high school and with that ministry. So uh, I love to be able to share and to speak God's word. And this morning for our short time together, uh, I want to talk a little bit about moving from critical to compassion. Critical being self, Todd, me, this nature that I have, uh, to being compassionate, reflecting Jesus, and pressing in to, to his nature and to what he was called and drawn to. And, and that was reflecting the very nature of God, but loving people and having compassion on people. So when we think about loving our neighbors as we're instructed to do and we're going to read in just a few minutes, what comes to mind? What do we think of? See, is it enough to sympathize with someone's position or place in life? Because sympathy is something we usually all have. We can be sympathetic towards a situation. You see, sympathy alone, though, it doesn't do anyone any good. For me to sit here and feel sorry for you, it doesn't help you. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't encourage you. In fact, sometimes when people say, oh, I feel really sorry for you. <laughs> Why? Right? It makes us process a little bit more. See, to extend love to others requires that we first understand something about their needs. It means trying to put ourselves in their shoes. For people that we have a relationship, family, friends, loved ones, that means we can sit back 
We can usually observe a situation. We can even ask questions and engage and then try to, try to better understand their situation. But in a more general sense, we may need to educate ourselves about a group whose circumstances may be different from our own. Maybe those are part of a different generation. Maybe there are people who are part of a different nationality. Maybe it's a different ethnic group or a different socioeconomic class. I'm not sure who it is, but, but this is empathy when we try and understand and better understand another person's situation and to consider what it must be like to walk a mile in their shoes or live a day in their life. So we move from sympathy to understanding, educating ourselves, which is empathy. But really loving our neighbor also requires that once we understand something about another person's pain, we do what we can to ease or lessen the burden. We act. So we go from sympathy to empathy of understanding to compassion, which is action. Compassion requires action. There was a, there was a story about a, a farmer. And, and this farmer, he was a hunter. Oh, let's call the farmer, Farmer Phil. If you don't know, Pastor Phil's the lead pastor. So we're gonna go with Farmer Phil. Well, he, he had a neighbor who was a much older gentleman and he had lived on his farm for a long time. And Farmer Phil would always go over and take care of this older gentleman. And, and he had a friend that he grew up with that moved to the city. So Farmer Phil got a call from his friend from the city and he said, hey, I would love to go hunting with you. Can, I, can we set up a time and, and just go hunting together, you and I? Well, obviously, Phil was excited about that. He goes, I got the perfect place. I'm going to go set it up with this farmer friend of mine. And so he went and he talked to the older farmer. He said, can we hunt on your property? He said, Phil, you can hunt on my property anytime you want. You bring your friend, you have a good time. Well, they set the date. The farmer uh, picked his buddy up from the big city at the airport, and they drove through this long, winding road. They drove past pastures and cornfields and soybean fields, and they got up there, and they saw a few mules and horses. And he said, hey, he says, why don't you get your stuff ready? He says, I'm going to get out and let him know that we're here, and we're going to hunt his property. So he walked up to the door and he says, hey, he says, we're here to hunt the property. And the old farmer said, I really appreciate you doing this. He says, yeah, I hope you have fun. He says, but I tell you what, I got a favor to ask you before you go hunting. And he said, what's that? He said, you know, Bessie, my old plow mule. Yeah, yeah, I've had her for a long time. I, she's pain. Oh, she's suffering. She's miserable. I'm just wondering, would you put her out of her pain and suffering? To which Farmer Phil said, absolutely, I'll do that for you. He said, just, just put her out of her misery, and then my boys will come by later and take care of her. He said, all right, I can do that. And thanks again, okay. And as he's walking out towards the truck, he decided he was going to have some fun with his city slicker friend. He walks out, he starts kicking the dirt. He's kind of punching the air. He's frustrated. And he goes, man, can you believe it? And his city friend looked at him and goes, what's going on? He goes, after all I've done for that man, I said, we're here to hunt. He said, no, you get you in that city slicker and get off my property. He said, I'm so angry. He reached in the back of his truck, cocked his gun. He looked at old Bessie, boom! Put her out of her misery. 
Before he could turn around, he heard boom, boom. He looked and he goes, man, what are you doing? He said, well, I saw what kind of pain that man caused you, so I decided to kill two of his cows. You see, there is good compassion. Then there's that. That's a funny example, but you know what? Sometimes we want to act so quickly. We don't understand the situation. We have no empathy. We can't put ourselves in that situation, but we respond quickly. Compassion, the original word in the Bible means to be moved deeply in your stomach. To show that we care, concern, and demonstrate that for others. We, we use words like, my heart goes out to those people. My heart is heavy for them. My heart hurts for that child. Both of these things, the deep stomach and the heartfelt, are both ways that we try and share how we feel, how we're experiencing some uncomfortableness or some heaviness for that person's situation in life. All we know is that when we move from sympathy to empathy, understanding, to compassion, we know we need to do something. We don't always know what, but we know we need to do something. Compassion requires action. เพราะสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักได้ในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้
ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมIn St. Clair County alone, we have 183 registered foster care children, and only 81 foster care homes. Do I care? Am I sympathetic? Is there any empathy in me for these people to understand the situations that are all around us? And my prayer this morning is that God might give me the heart that Jesus demonstrated on a regular basis. John 13, 34, and 35, it says this, a new command I give you. This is Jesus speaking to his followers, and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another by this everyone, by this all my coworkers, by this all the people at the store, by this the people in my neighborhood, by this the people trying to find a parking space at Colonial Woods on Sunday morning, by this... By this they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to share kind of a summary here of some different passages that demonstrate God's compassion, that demonstrate Jesus' compassion. The first is Jesus feeds 4,000. This is in Matthew 15, verse 32. It says, Jesus called all his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion. For these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. See, these people had been bringing the sick to Jesus, and the paralyzed, and the lame, and the afflicted, and Jesus was healing them and teaching them. And so Jesus said, We need to feed them, so go out and find something. So they came back with seven loaves and a few fish. God performed a miracle. And all of them, 4,000 men plus women and children were fed that day with seven basketfuls left over because Jesus had compassion. Jesus shared about the Good Samaritan. The expert in the law asked Jesus, he said, teacher, he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story. There's a Jewish man who went down the road and he was robbed. A priest went by and a Levi went by, both walked on the opposite side of the road, did nothing for the Jewish man. Then a Samaritan. The Samaritans were like oil and water. They didn't mix. They had nothing in common. They didn't even like them. He said the Samaritan saw what happened, went over right away, took the man, had care given to him, and when he took him in, said, I want to pay for everything that he needs, take care of him. And I'm gonna come back and check on him and if there's any more money owed, I will take care of it. Verse 36 and 37, Jesus said, which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. 
There's a man by the pool of Bethsaida, and this is in John 5. In verse 6, it says, When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked, Would you like to get well? This man had been by the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years. They believed that when the pool was stirred, it was the angel of the Lord coming down from heaven, stirring it, and the first person into the pool would be healed. And Jesus said, would you like to be healed? And he says, uh, sir, he says, every time I get ready to go to the pool, someone beats me to it, for I have no one here to help me. This was Jesus' reply. Out of compassion for the man, 38 years waiting by a pool. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus' compassion in that moment, instant. Instant healing. Jesus heals two blind men. Matthew 20, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving from Jericho, there were a large crowd gathered, bigger than this, that were following Jesus. They, they had heard of everything he was doing, and they wanted to be a witness to this. And, and as they were walking down the road, there were two blind men sitting alongside the road, and they said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Immediately, the, the crowd rebuked them, and they told them to be quiet. You know what the two men did? They were quiet. Do you know that we live in a world that every time we call on Jesus to do something, do you know what our world is starting to say to us? Shh, be quiet. No, we need more Jesus. Shh, that's not politically correct. Shh, Jesus, you're our only hope. No, no, we have other things too. And you know what we do sometimes? I know what I do sometimes. I get quiet. None of you do? You know what these two men did? They sat there. They were blind. The crowd rebuked them and told them essentially, sorry, shut up. You're causing a disturbance. Shh, don't, no, uh-uh. This is what their response was. <laughs> but they shouted all the louder. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They wanted to get Jesus' attention, and Jesus stopped and called to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they replied, We want to see. We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them in verse 34, and he touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. Parable of the lost son in Luke 15. The youngest son, there's a father, he had two sons, but the youngest wanted his inheritance. His father had servants to take care of things, and he was very wealthy. He went to the father and he said, Dad, I don't want to live the way you want me to live. I don't agree with the things you agree with, and I want to do what I want to do. So I want my inheritance. I don't know about you, but I understand that when I want an inheritance, that means someone usually needs to die. So essentially, the son's saying, youngest, dad, to me, you're dead right now. I want your money. And he said, I want to go out and I want to do what I want to do. And the son did. The father gave it to him. He left. The son went out and he squandered and he blew everything on his worldly desires and his passions and his personal things that he wanted that the world said would fill him up. Eventually, he was broke and he ended up working with the pigs and he was feeding the pigs slop. 
And it says in the scriptures, it says that he longed to eat the pods that the pigs were eating. That's how hungry he was. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on him. My father has servants with food left over. I'm going to go back and say, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore, but, but call me one of your servants. Let me just work for you. This is a beautiful verse. Remember, this is God's story for us. Verse 20, but while he, the son who said, I want my inheritance, you're dead to me, I don't want to live the way you want to live, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. That's the first stopping point. How would the father see him? He was looking for him. When I drift, when I go, when I turn my back on God, God doesn't turn his back on me. God continues to look and go, Todd, I'm waiting for you. You ever had anyone you love leave home? I have, too. I watched them drive away. My daughter and my son. I so... I, I know the way they drove off. It still makes me go, oh, it's dusty in here. It's like that video. It gets to you. The father was watching for him. It says while he was still a long way off, the father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. That's the image of God embracing us when we return to him from going our own way, from doing our own things. He goes, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where have you been. I care that you're right here in my embrace, and now we're moving forward together. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was good friends with Lazarus, and he was, he was away, and Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, and this is what they said. Hey, Lord, the one you love is sick. Do you think Lazarus and Jesus had a good relationship? Do you think they were close friends? Do you think Jesus loved Lazarus? Yes, because it says, the one you love, it didn't say Lazarus is sick, your good friend. It says the one you love is sick. And you know what Jesus did right away? What would you do if someone was sick and dying? You'd want to be there with them, right? Jesus said, okay, his sickness won't lead to death. Don't worry. And they stayed where they were at two more days. And Lazarus died. And Mary and Martha went out, and it was Mary who finally got to Jesus and said, if you would have been here, surely he would not have died. Well, verse 33 and 35, it says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. You know why Jesus wept? It wasn't because Lazarus died. <laughs> he already said earlier, the sickness will not lead to death. Nope, it's going to be used to glorify God's son. He was weeping. Jesus wept simply because people were weeping. Mary was hurting. Martha was hurting. The people there, when we say Jesus doesn't feel our pain and our suffering, this is a prime example. He wept for those who were hurting. <laughs> the end of the story, in case you don't know it, is Jesus goes, hey, Father, this isn't for me, <laughs> but it's for everyone else watching. Lazarus, come on out. And you know what happened? People sat like this. 
that's great. Lazarus was dead, right? Do you know what they did? Woo! Party! Sorry, that's a high school thing. I just did that. Sorry. Some of you just woke up. Um, they, what a celebration. He was dead. People were crying. People recognized Lazarus. He was a leader in the community. People were weeping and heart, and all of a sudden, he's back. Whoa. God's ultimate compassion was when Jesus gives his life for humanity, for me, for you, for us. Romans 5, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. That's exciting. That's something to get excited about because that's good news. That means this message is for anyone. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when I didn't agree, even when I wouldn't comply, even when I didn't ask for forgiveness, Jesus died for sinners. 1 John 2, 1 through 2 says, He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. We don't have a corner on the cross. We don't get to selfishly embrace the cross and keep it to ourselves. It's for all humanity, past, present, future, everybody. He says, I have given my life so that you might have life and life to the full, John 10.10. Because the thief, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. The thief (laughs) causes Todd to be critical. The thief causes Todd to think about Todd things. And I'm really good at that. I would never speak on this if it didn't convict me. Let me tell you. We're we're supposed to press in to Jesus' compassion because Jesus said, that's why I came. In all of these situations, stories, references, verses, Jesus was always thinking about what people were going through. He still does. Jesus' compassion is perfect and it's limitless. But what is Jesus' greatest act of compassion? (laughs) Me. And if you don't get this right now, you don't get it. It's like what they post on social media. If you know, you know. The good thing is, if you, know, you don't know, then we want you to know. See, I was the youngest son who said, I don't care about you, God. I don't care about my family. I don't care what they want. I want what I want. And God goes, that's not the way it works. You'll figure it out. Man, sometimes we learn the hard way, right? Sometimes we're blessed. I hear people go, I don't have a cool testimony. I was never in drugs or alcohol. I was never on the edge of death. Well, good, God protected you. Holy cow, share that all the time. Cows can't be holy. Um, is that part of your story? Are you Jesus' greatest example of compassion? That's my prayer. We're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. It's, it's called More Like Jesus. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners 
to come down front. I, I just want you guys to be ready. Come on down. The words are so powerful. They say, you came to the world you created, trading your crown, royalty, your crown for a cross. You willingly die. Your innocent life paid the cost. Counting your statue is nothing. The king of all kings came to serve, washing my feet, covering me with your love. If more of you means less of me, take everything. I tell you what, that's a hard word. Everything. I'm not willing to always part with everything. Yes, all of you is all I need. Take everything. We're going to stand and we're going to sing this song. If, if you feel this morning you want to move from this critical, reflecting you, reflecting your nature, if you want to move away from that, and you say, I want to move over here and press in to looking more like Jesus and being more like Jesus to my neighbors, to my family, to my friends, if that's where you're at, and you say, I just want to publicly say, I want to do that. There are people here, if you go to them, they'll pray with you. If you don't, they're not going to pursue you. If you just want to come down and say, in this moment, God, I'm going to publicly say, I want to get rid of Todd. I want to get rid of me. And I want to move more towards reflecting Jesus. Because I tell you what, when I reflect Todd, it's bad results. It doesn't go good, and no one's happy in the end. But when I try and do things that please God, which isn't a lot, I'll admit that. That's why I'm just Todd. He seems to bless it, and he seems to use it. So let's stand together. Let's sing.
challenge from the Word of God this morning. And as I was listening and the Spirit speaking to myself, my own heart was challenged to move from just sympathy 
through empathy to compassion. And in a room such as this with all of us here this morning, every single one of us, the Lord is challenging us to move through those phases into compassion into some area of your life. That's the challenge. Like the video so wonderfully showed to help others feel his love. From 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love, genuinely love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves, loves God and knows God. But then he says, if you don't love, you don't know God, for God is love. So beloved, let us all love one another and help them feel his compassion, amen? If you're still here this morning, you'd like to come and pray with one of us or just on yourself so you don't have to leave, just come forward. And for the rest of us, let's just move quietly out and allow this spirit of prayer here to continue as we close. God bless you. Good morning to all of you.